Well, let's, Dennis, how was your evening? It's getting better all the time. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I'm ready for inspection tomorrow on the foundation of my new wall. So it's a big day in the neighborhood. Big I sure neighborhood. hope wall inspection it doesn't have day. to be, I hope that it doesn't have to be level every which way. So imagine a, a hologram of a, of a rectangle, okay? Oh, that's cool, Four man. corners. Yeah. Right? Is it a cube Four or corners. a rectangle? And think it's a rectangle. Or a rectangular shape. And solid. it's yeah. picture a box. Yeah. And imagine all the places you could put a measuring tape to determine whether it's square. And none of those angles are 90 degrees. And it to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so my structure, my foundation, which is two layers, is a square uh, one, three, four, just in the first four out of six levels, mm-hmm. and two it's not. So if I have to be all square, I, he could say, no, you got to tear the foundation up and make it level. And I'd say, but if I make it level to this line, it's not level to this line because I'm on a sloping driveway against a crooked building that's bulging out that fell a little bit off its frame. I know, right? And so me trying to get square is like trying to get square on a river. It's Whoa. ebbing and it's flowing. It's not like a, yo. Like, and as, I'm, but as not... I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking that a river flows through it. You're too cool to be square, bro. Yeah, but the, the solution is unique in that because it's not square against the house, against the garage, mm-hmm. It happens to be exactly one and three quarters inch off square, which is a big gap. That's exactly the length, the width of a two by four. So when you take one of the existing foundation one, lines, one and three quarters is not equal to. Sorry, well, I'm no, a math a, nerd here. A two by four is actually one and three quarters by three and three quarters. That's the factory cut. They still call it a two by four because back in the day, it used to be a two by four. In my house, what? I have two by fours that are two inches by four inches. They haven't done that since I was a boy. I've been living a lie this whole time. <laughs> what the fuck, man? That's... Two by eight is two by is one and three quarters by seven and, and three quarters. Man. And so inflation, uh, man. It like what <laughs> what used one. to be worth something. They learned that they could cut a, they could shave a little bit more off and then sell it to you and call it what it was before. Like, so like back in the, the day when people used to found, shave stuff off of their gold coins and give it to you, and that's why we have the ridges on the edges of coins is to note. Is oh, to, is that so? Yeah, so you can tell if someone has been shaving off the side. It's true. Oh. There you go. You learn something every day. But this two by four is not two by four nonsense. Is I'm not okay with this. Who, who, who do I have to talk to? No, but at the same time, an eight foot length of two by four is feet. So there's one dimension that is accurate, Whew. and that is length. Okay. Not width, not thickness. Not girth. Yeah. Okay. Girth would be a whole other measurement, and it's you can girth is an interesting measurement. Let's talk about girth. Particularly around the square. Yes. What? Is it not just the it's circumference of the shape? Technical difficulties, bro. You just yeah, you were gone. You, you just, just went out. You... Hold on. I'm googling what is girth in geometry. That's what I was thinking. In three-dimensional geometry, the girth of a geometric object is in a certain direction is the perimeter of its parallel projection in that in that direction. Yes, so we were right. So, if you if you have a cylinder and you take the girth around the rounded part, then it's the same as these. Uh, I mean the squares. Two pi r of the of the radius. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So now we know. Which is now we know. This is fascinating. This is like Mr. Wizard. Wait, am I the old guy that's that's measure, attracting children just, into his we, garage, we, we, or is that you? You measure the girth of a fish. So when you get a big fish like the ones that, that we have pictures of in episode, I'm sure you remember. Twenty-seven. Yeah. And I'm actually I know this because we talked about it in episode seventy-two, and we talked about how it was the the palindrome. Oh, twenty-seven. Which there we need to discuss. Harley Davidson. Heading up Harley, the street. Harley, Harley. I saw, I saw a stand-up comic one time say, uh, do, a, do a bit about um, how you could tell this, what brand of, of a motorcycle was going by because it made, this, it made the sound of the onomatopoeia of the name. Like, uh, Harley, 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 Or a Honda. <laughs> and anyway, there were more. <laughs> that was all I remember. <laughs> you did a nice version of the Honda. That's, uh... Yeah. So You know about the guy who, who went to the doctor and said, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm farting all the time. And I just... I fart and it sounds weird. I'm about to fart now. And he farted and it went Honda. <laughs> and he said, you need to go to the dentist. And the doctor said, you, I can't help you. He goes to the dentist. He says, why did he send you to me? He said, is it because of this toothache? I need my farts fixed. And the dentist said, open your mouth. And he said, oh, it looks like you're about to have an abscess tooth. And he says, how's that going to fix things? And he goes, surely you know that abscess makes the fart go Honda. All right. We'll leave that in. Good work. <laughs> sure. It was a lot of work, as it turns out, without much, without much, much response. <laughs> so you're, uh, you did. That's not that barely got. That barely, you barely uh, had a chuckle. I'm, I, I'm it's so. It's an old favorite. Uh, I, did you know it already? You no, heard? I didn't. No, that's good. I I recently started following a, a stand-up comic on Twitter. And uh, and she had a great she had a great post saying, I've been working on new material here at home during COVID, and I literally have a cricket in my house. And then she posted a video of her just looking into the camera, and you could hear the the cricket going chirp 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 back behind her. <laughs> like, it's like the worst thing for a stand-up comic to hear. <laughs> it's a metaphor, of course, for silence. But anyway, I was explaining this to my children the other day, and they didn't get it because there are talking crickets a metaphor for sadness. That's a is, not for is silence. A, silence. I, Oh, for silence. Yeah. All right. If if you can hear crickets chirping, no one else is talking or clapping or whatever. Dennis, I have a question for you. You seen a video of them? Can you find one and post it? They're rubbing their legs together at an amazing speed to make that noise. I have not. They're spiked little legs. Spiked little legs that look like okay, lightning. Okay, this is super interesting all, to me. All jack. This is really and interesting to me. they're rubbing their legs at high speed. Because that is what I was always taught. And I suggested this as a thing that daddy knows to my children the other day of do you know how crickets make their sound and they rub their legs together and my wife said i thought it was their wings That's the... that they oh. and i went and i looked it up and sure enough like the what science says now is that it's the wings that they're rubbing together they do have special not... uh, properties of their wings or they're like separate special wings that are for that but it's not legs and i swear i was always taught that it was the legs but I, I wonder if historically that is a, if we were learning something that was developed in 1840. And this, the last time we heard about this was for you 34 years ago. Mm -hmm. You haven't heard about, nobody's told you who in the past 30 years that the way that crickets make their noise is they rub their legs together. Nobody said that to you in 30 years. You just remember it from 30 years ago. From Mr. Cricket right? Wizard. Yeah. So here it is. On the Wikipedia page for crickets and the subheading chirping, 
says most male crickets make a loud chirping sound by the stridulation, parentheses, scraping two specially textured wings together. The stridulatory organ is also known as the tegmen, or forewing, which is leathery in texture. So there you go. People, people tune in to learn facts about science and knowledge that they can then tell their friends, hey, did you know it wasn't the legs? Do they and show the video? There's a sound they clip. Must. I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a there's a picture of a male cricket chirping. Its head is big, down. Uh, its head is down in the ground and its legs are all up and gross and it's like a it's like a tw- it's twerking. All right, you got to hang on a second. Sorry. That's very nice. Is that Yeah, that's one of those frog. Yep. I think that's been featured once. I had a cricket. You had episode to hear. two or whatever. I just had to hear. It. Yeah, but yeah. The um. To, well, so yeah. just to follow up, the central part of the tegmen contains the harp, an area of thick, sclerotinized membrane which resonates and amplifies the volume of the sound, as does the pocket like of a... air between the tegmina and the body wall. Most female crickets lack the necessary adaptations to stridulate, and so they make no sound. Most females don't make sound. It's like the same Leviticus. <laughs> There's a punchline in there somewhere. I just said the punchline. Huh. Which is what? That in Leviticus, what? in the Bible, it says that women should be seen and not heard, basically. Well. But, you know, that patriarchy. That hasn't happened. That hasn't happened in my, my history. So. <laughs> Sometimes you can hear them and you can't even see them. You can, <laughs> you can go back in time as far as you want. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis. Yes. What happened to your temple? That is the. That's the technical term. Did you did you go to did you go to worship at the temple and something happened? No. As far as I'm as far as I know, the temple is the technical term for the part of the eyeglasses that goes the stick that goes back behind the ear. Oh. Oh. So yes. You seem to be but you seem to be uh, mono templistic. It's it's interesting that that you note that because I was just thinking today. I've been using these glasses out of a bunch I have. They seem to be a little stronger. And for the first time ever in in years, a decade of wearing reading glasses, when one of the stems, I call it a stem, you call it the temple, that with one of those missing, it still fits perfectly well on my face. Usually it's askew. And if it's a skew, then which is a skew? And it's a nerve aiding, so you don't want to do it. It, it causes you stress. You don't want to be looking at things crooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's funny you notice that. I wonder how many of our listeners did. That's the thing, the thing about listening is that you can't see. But it's like when you take off your glasses. They might notice there's a, a difference because it's like a cricket. As I speak, usually. Yes, the sound waves are not bouncing off of your Temples. temples. And now they're only bouncing off one. It's different, and they know the difference. I, I they're mean, connoisseurs of sound. The, the sound, yes, your sound signature is noticeably different. And Hey, I got a, your, I got a, I got a story your, to tell. Surely you your temple I forget. is... Uh, yes, continue. <laughs> so I've been reading up this week on Paul Simon, who had retired some time ago from touring at the age of 70, 77, I want to say. And he said, he told a story about why he didn't trust Art Garfunkel since he was 17. And he said 
that it's because when we got into a into an argument into a row where Hurrah. I wrote the song and row or a row as I would say Hurrah. and and he said he and our garfunkel said to him he said fine you may have the music but I'll always be taller than you and I'll always get the girls ouch and the interviewer said that made and, and and Paul Simon said on top of it he said I guess that must have really bothered me since I'm recounting it some 60 years later the truth hurts so much more than anything else and that or the sad truth hurts right the, of course the, the truth the, the truth that you really wish was different <laughs> Right. If you're if you're short and you're and you don't mind the fact that you're short and someone calls you short, it doesn't hurt. But yeah. if someone holds that over you, so to speak, no pun intended, it it can really last a lifetime. Yes. What you drinking? So uh, Alaska Amber. I want to show you the picture. Listeners will have to see it, but it is uh, it's a fishing boat ship, just like the ones fishing we have here boat in yep. the background. Are the Alaskan mountains, mm-hmm. the white, in the background? And I was just looking at that and thinking that I was in that spot. Not on that boat, but in a body of water where that view was typical of the snow-covered Alaskan mountains in June. Yeah, I really... Do we talk about Alaska? Is it on your bucket list, so to speak? A term I, which I recall you don't like? It's Yes, I am fond of all the stories I hear of Alaska. I have an uncle that lives there, so I have a potential like jumping-off point. Anchorage. It's it's near uh, Wasilla, where Ms. Palin is from. Oh, that's north. It yes, I and I very much enjoyed going back and listening to episode seventy, where you told about all those stories. One one thing that I was confused about is you spoke about this guy that had that was like pulling water uphill using some sort of uh-huh. motorized, I think you said carburetor, carburetor or something? Two screwed together. Okay. Two screwed together. Okay, so I'm curious about this from a physics perspective of in order to bring weight uphill, you need to do what is called work, technically. where like, You have to create pressure. There's you have an to find... Of the distance uphill and the, and the slope uphill. Right. So you have enough power to defy gravity. But you can't just... Like, you can't just go to a stream and then draw a path up the hill and have the stream go up the hill. Some Something has to be pushing the water up the hill that is greater. Yes, two carburetors screwed together. And how does that work? Who, what puts the energy into the carburetor? So a carburetor's got to fly. A carburetor is a, is a pipe that's flywheel on it. And when water hits that, it goes into a chamber where there's water. And when that pressure of the water hits the trap, it pushes the water out in greater force, and that happens twice because there's two carburetors screwed together. So, okay, what the so is it similar to? Is it pushes the water, increases its force, at a force which is sufficient enough to take water uphill, probably on a long slope, a low slope, one to twelve, for example, uh-huh. as opposed to five to twelve, or a roof as we talked about last, last episode, episode is for 12. It's okay. funny how useful so, Mr. Science is. Is that common for slopes to be have 12 as the denominator? As, sure. Because 12 is such a useful denominator because it's divisible by 1, 2, it's 3, and 4. Foot. And it's a foot. It's a foot. 
Yeah. Three feet equal a yard. That's the American measurement system. So 12 is special. Where are you from? Did it? It's a very special number. I didn't, re- I didn't realize we were talking about inches and feet. Okay, so my question is, is it's somehow using the force of the water that is going by as like a, a pumping mechanism yes. to then push the yes. water that is inside up higher. Yes, yes. And then again and again. Okay, in that case, I can square that with my understanding of physics and perpetual so motion. So there's actually a formula that you could devise that allowed you to determine both the slope and the distance of the slope, the vertical line. Mm-hmm. And as I recall, this particular cabin that this guy had built, and I think this is what I said, that he built the cabin by hand, uh-huh. and, then, and, and then somebody bought the lot next to him and built the cabin in three weeks. Jesus. Ain't that just the, the way life is? Well, it's, you know, and so he's got, so he had a stream behind his house. Now, the force of the existing stream, right, if it's a trickle, this isn't going to work. Indeed, you got to have a you got to have a burbling running stream for this to work. It's right. got to be. And when I don't know how much time you've spent in creeks and in whatnot creeks, uh-huh. as you might say, but some of them flow quite swiftly. Indeed, some of them flow so swiftly that the more below knee are. level, below knee level, it's dangerous to walk without a walking stick because they'll knock you down. They might only be four or five feet wide, but they're two feet deep and it's a bunch of water uh-huh. running around a corner. When you consider that's the first element of the algorithm and the second is what's the force that hits when it hits that chamber, you imagine that shit, you could almost go vertical with it. If it, let's say, does it double it? I doubt it. Does it increase the pressure of the original water by 25%? What's that formula? Do that twice and then somehow determine with that level of increased force, it will go so far so high. Here's the question. What would happen if suddenly you took the river that was going down that's almost dangerous to walk in and you somehow made it go straight up? Mm-hmm. How high would it go if it were in a trough on an angle? Right. Right? How high would it go on its own volition? That's a lot of force. Yeah. So I, now, he didn't have – he had a burbling stream. He didn't have a raging creek. He didn't have a – he didn't have a real fast, deep current. It was moving. It was gurgling. It was going – moving. I don't know. It was going how? <laughs> Like a cat, uh-huh. like a gurgling, hurling, purling cat. A hurling cat? Yeah, interestingly, I've got two things to say about this. Uh, first, I think we, I think I have a name for this subject of study. Trickle up economics. And Trickle up. Anyway, uh, the second thing I have to say about this. Agronomics. Here. Trickle up agronomics. There you go. Aquanomics. the water of the garden. Aquanomics. We didn't talk about that. You knew this for the reason. It wasn't just, it was to water the garden. Oh, it wasn't to, to drink. It wasn't to drink and, and furnish the house. Okay. Another guy I know who lived in Alaska, I've talked to you about this guy, in his place, the same, maybe the same episode, he had a solar-powered, that he used a, a little gasoline motor generator to rev up the batteries mm-hmm. that he determined by formula every night. But he had a, a pump in his river that moved pretty fast. It was wide. It was 12, 14, 16 feet wide. And mostly under the ice, but moving under the ice. And he had that fucker going up to the top of his house where he had a, a one-story cottage. It was like an octagon. I remember, you just, I remember you saying something about an octagon house. Yes. Probably not. Maybe episode. it wasn't eight size. Maybe it was five. But it had more like five probably. But on one of those edges, on, on the mounted on the roof, 
was the, the big tank, the water tank, mm -hmm. which because it was high and full, it had enough pressure, pressure. to give yep. you what you needed. Yeah. And then and yeah, I was so blown away by this man. He says, come here, I'll show you where I'll, I'll show you my batteries. And he opened up a closet and there were batteries the size of fucking cinder blocks mm -hmm. or, or narrow cinder blocks, half blocks stacked in a square in a room. And I think stacked a couple high that he stored all of his solar power and his generated power. Mm -hmm. he, what a statistician. He figured how much gasoline he needed to run that motor on average to charge his batteries X number of minutes a night. And he went the six hour drive to, to get gas. Mm -hmm. He bought exactly that. For the year. <laughs> nice. Yes. Because that's, he had no more money. He, he couldn't store anymore. He had to, and so it was all a ritual and all, <laughs> it's amazing, but I'll never forget his water source because it was fantastic water, drinking water as well. And I don't remember if, I believe he had a filter system under his sink as well, but the toilet was wonderful too. Just all natural de de decomposing toilet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in that same episode, I discussed going on a hike and on that hike, at the end of the hike, we came to a little running river. The whole hike was around a river, but there was a little picnic area and I went over and sat on a rock by the river and I took my shoes off and my socks off and I put my feet in the water. It was cold. It was, I could keep my feet in the water for 25 seconds. I think I maybe up to 30 one time before I had to take them out and it was just so freezing. And wow. It, and, where were you? Near where I live. In Spain? Yeah. In Spain. And fast moving water is always cold. If coming down from the mountains. Fast moving water. It's always cold. On your feet? Yeah. Fast running water. It's always cold. Yeah. And so I did this a couple times, and I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm giving therapy to my poor feet that have just walked a whole bunch of kilometers. And, but we were still like a mile from our car. And that last mile. Oh, dear. My feet were just... You needed that. No, no. My feet were numb like and like it throbbing. Replenished. No, it wasn't a good thing. Replenished. It wasn't a good thing. Uh, <laughs> they were... My feet were like, wait, I thought we were done. I thought we were at the finish line, and now we have to walk another mile to the car. And it was just crazy. Like, at the time, it's one of those things where at the time you say, next time we do this, I'm not doing that again. But it's one of those things where you suspect that you might... Because it's it's just one of those one of those things. So it was cool. And I tell you the that I tell you the story of the hot springs in Oregon. Where the springs were at the top of the mountain, which was steep enough to climb on all fours at some points. Mm -hmm. The first spring was too hot, it would scald you. And then the second one was too hot. It would burn you. And then you got to the fourth one. And everywhere you went further down the hill, the catchment areas, the, the pools, mm -hmm. rocked in pools, became larger. And, and therefore as they cooler. grew larger, and uh, you got to, to, to the final one, which was the last one, which was just prior. The next step was the lake. Right. Cougar, Cougar Reservoir was big enough for 20 people to frolic in water that was almost too hot. And if and you could go up the hill after you were acclimated to the hot. That's hot. You well, could climb back then up. Then you get out and it's like chill and you're steaming. Right. And you go to the next one, you say, oh, I can get in here. So, whoa. But 
nonetheless, you can't go very far. But there was a log rolling contest. Well, hold on. I want to stay with it with it with the water for a second. The, what a metaphor for everything in life of extremes and how you have to work your way up to a level and you can't just jump in where someone else is comfortable. You have to start from the bottom and work your way up. Anyway, the log rolling. Did you roll a log? More, what was its more girth? to say, though, about the, the pool, mm-hmm. because this pool in a weekend was 16, 18 people, I recall, couples and peoples of three and peoples of four, and not usually larger than that because what a two-man tent could hold that you could slap on your back because mm-hmm. this was a little bit of a hike. We had a two-man tent. Uh, the woman I was with had a two-person tent, and then my buddy slept under a tarp. But that community for that weekend, and we were there for a couple of weeks because we had both quit or lost our jobs, all three of us, and we were moving on to the next thing And because we were living on the coast, and all three of us worked for fishing crews, me, Catherine. And, and you were how old? And Jim, 24, maybe. Okay. This is before and, meeting uh, your wife or everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, long before. Okay. Long before. But the community on the the morning of Saturday, or probably more likely Sunday, there was a log rolling contest. And it was amazing to see it. And to understand that these four men, or people, who were on the log had a potential to control more or less, or contribute to more or less, the speed at which the log was rolling. Wait, wait, wait. They're, they're, so, people, they're standing on the log? Yes. And, and the log is on the ground. Hopping. In the water. This okay. is a big, in the water. I've yes. seen one of these, yeah. Log, log rolling. Yes, it's in the water. It's one of these where it's you, big enough. Half the people end up landing on their crotch. Yeah. All but one. Oh, whoever's the last man standing. Last person standing. Yeah. But imagine that the log is big enough where four people can stand on it and it's going to roll instead of just bob and sink. Right. That's a big fucking log. Yeah, yeah. I can picture right? it. So that was fun. It feels kind of like a Ouija board where everyone's little tiny motions come together to move the log in a way that no one is really conscious of directing. I think, I think that's I, I think that, that subtlety is probably less true depending on your skill level because I would assume oh, oh, sure. if you're a team start the best no you're not a team, you're trying to beat out the other three people on the log. Oh. The best thing to do is to try to set the tempo. Oh, I thought it was I thought and it was like a group trying to move the log in a direction or something, but no. Oh, it's, no, no, no. This is you're you're trying to knock everyone standing. else off. That's, or yeah, have them play. all fall off. You're trying to be the last man standing. Right. You're not reaching for people and No, it's only by moving your down feet. The side of the log and, 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 and tackling them, which could also which, be a sport. By the way, the NFL's back. I got to talk about the Lions. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I heard a little sorry. bit about that. We'll we'll sorry. keep that in the can for now. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's you're four people on a log and you're trying to have them all fall off, and you not. Yeah. You could, so it's, you could find a video of this in two seconds. Of course, of course. I've seen things like this. And there will be one in the show notes at happyhour.fm. So zero seven six. Imagine this. Let me say the URL, Dennis. Let me say the URL. Happyhour.fm. Say it again. Are you going to be quiet now? Happyhour.fm slash zero seven six seventy six. Okay. Got to bring in the green. Yeah, baby. So speaking of Walgreens, we're going to do this. We should let people in on it. Maybe not this year, because I don't think I'm going to be able no. to visit this year, but some year. Yes. That year you're there because you're in charge of 
bringing the image. No, I I I I Photoshop the up. image. Someone needs to find a printer to do this. All right, let me explain this gag that I saw on the internet. So apparently around the country there has been this thing where people have been printing out an image of the soul singer Al Green and pasting it over the W on signs for the store Walgreens so that it looks like there's the singer Al Green and then it says Al Green's. But Dennis and I have a dear friend who is no longer with us who went by the name Al Green and we loved him very much and I saw this on the internet and I said, Dennis, I think we have to print out an image of our friend and go and deface the corporate property of uh, Walgreens wait, wait, Corporation wait, 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 uh, sign wait, somewhere. I think, wait, I think what you said. We're improve. facing Improve. Right, we're not defacing. We're facing because we're putting a face right. on it. Upgrade. <laughs> we're facing it. So, yes. That's right. It looks like a guy who, who not only might shop there, but a guy who should shop there. Indeed, indeed. Our, our friend was very much a Walgreens customer-looking lad. We've had this, this what, plan. He was what could be described as a Walgreens eccentric. Okay. So anyway, Dennis and I have allegedly hatched a plan to allegedly <laughs> attempt this at some point, but we I can neither confirm is... nor deny that we oh, are actually going through. Allegedly with... means someone's accused us. It's, <laughs> we're, we're... it's hypothetically. I don't want to be accused. Maybe I'm accused of planning this. Hypothetically. Okay. <laughs> if it's alleged, Fine. who alleged it since we thought it up? God. It's Mr. Lawboy over here. Okay. All right. Put your bar exam results in your pocket. And so we are hypothetically planning on maybe if it, if things were to happen, but it wouldn't be where the our, our future accusers are reading back this, are playing back this audio as testimony. It's not there. On signing it and leaving my address, I plan on all of us being locked up for this. This is, that is what will make this work. The sign, the image, Al Green's, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's the arrest. It's trying to hold them off. It's finally being overwhelmed. Wait, you're going to fight back against the police? Jail. All of us. Okay. Because that's a good idea. All of us. Well, <laughs> and our Try and reach for their firearms, why don't you? Jesus. Our inspiration, when we're all locked up together, uh-huh. needs to be the scene that you so well know of after the Joker shoots and kills the guys on the subway. Mm-hmm. And he's in the bathroom. And the script says, script says, Joker goes into the bathroom and hides the gun. That's all the script said. And uh-huh. he does that. And I'll tell you, I... I've seen a lot of movies, and there's some that, oh, this and oh, that. And I talk a little bit tonight about uh, episode three ending, season three of uh, Homeland with Uh you, because you knew damn well what was happening. Nothing less than a fucking hanging. Oh, shit. You you knew it. Yes, I did. You knew it. That one hurts. uh, I remember being in, being, I remember the moment when I saw that episode. Like, there are so few episodes in TV where you remember where you were and what you were feeling, but that one was strong. Yeah. What did we just park for you to come back and talk to, talk about? Oh, so while we're talking about the Joker, hold on. Did you watch any of those videos that I sent before recording? 
Sorry. Kevin James? Yes. So, so, so uh, th- there's this... Oh, hold on. Yeah. Let me introduce it. So the actor Kevin James has somehow partnered with some studio or something. I don't know how when you reach a certain level of celebrity and you're just good enough at it that, that some company comes to you and says, hey, we want to produce a couple YouTube videos every month starring you using really high-level special effects. There's a behind-the-scenes uh, video on the feed where they show all the green screen work and all the doubles right. and stunt people and stuff that go into making this particular just clever, but like super professionally done, clever jokes of, of things. But anyway, my favorite, he's got several different little mini movies that he does in his on his feed, but and his Kevin James feed will be in the show notes. But he does this thing where he pretends to be the sound man holding the boom mic for really famous movie scenes and just messing things up and and getting things wrong and they cut it with the actual f- clips from the movie in a way that make it look like he was really there and add all this drama to this scenes anyway dennis what was your experience with so, these so i saw plenty of them and i've got to tell you that the first one i saw which is robin williams makes me cry right was very entertaining and very eye-opening and extraordinary. Yes, and so that might be having, one of the best. In my having opinion. now seen now having seen many others and realizing this, in fact, for me was the best right. of the ones I've seen. Having said that, I will tell you that the other one that I appreciated then was Braveheart. Yes, <laughs> and I thought that was very good as well, and so that clever. made me laugh. And then the others were more interesting rather than funny. Right. The Joker thing was more interesting rather than particularly funny and hidden and watching them and then trying to sneak into it. But anyway, it was well done. And I didn't – the reason that I sent it to you was because – We've discussed that had, scene so many times, yes. And you had, you had done a dissertation of some kind right. in a paper yep. of it, and you couldn't remember the fart scene. The fart. No, I remember the fart you scene. The fart. That, that, that was... You did it the first time we spoke of it. You, couldn't, did. you didn't remember it. Okay. We can go. You said, oh, I don't remember no, that. what I didn't remember was what I didn't remember was some of Casey Affleck's afflictations, but <laughs> which the, yes, which we, we discussed we, at length. But we wound it as- but I didn't. No, I certainly remember the my wife Fats uh, point. But yeah, this 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 is a great series. I will post a link to a couple of these in the show notes at happyhour.fm slash zero seven six. Dennis, you just said you had something to say about something that was not something that you saw. Something we briefly talked about. Cannot remember. So one of the one of his short films. I watched a couple of these today. One of them, um, Kevin James' short films, is is such this such this moment. He it starts. He's he's at a board meeting and a long table, and everyone is sitting there and they're giving their ideas to the corporate head or whatever. And the corporate head says, um, "Okay, if uh, nobody else has anything else to add, I think we're done for the day." And Kevin James's character raises his hand and says, um, "Yeah, so I had this one thing about that thing we were talking about. It was, it was. Remember when we were talking about that thing? And anyway, he can't remember. And the boss says, he can't. All right, no, he can't remember what he what he wanted to say. And so the boss says, the boss says, don't worry about it. Bring it up on Monday. And then everyone gets up and shakes hands with everybody else and they leave the table. And he's sitting there with his head in his hands. And then it goes on this spiral where he goes home and he's like making mad scratching in these notebooks of what was I going to say? What was I going to say? And he, he's then he's like lying in bed at night with his wife and he can't sleep and he gets up and four hours later during the night, his wife gets up and notices that he's not there and goes to find him. And, and he's got um, 
what uh, what the term I've heard about this is a, a crazy wall. It's one of those walls, like in Homeland, where uh-huh. where someone has a uh, red uh, thread <laughs> spread between all these different right. points, and he's got all this stuff worked out. And he's like, okay, I know right. that Janet said this, and then I know that Susan said this, and then Robbie said this other thing, and he's trying to figure out what it was, <laughs> trying to turn to remember. And his wife goes, he never and, does. And his wife goes and is, and, is and is fed up with this, <laughs> and takes it all down. No, wait, the brilliant stuff, brilliant of the comedy is it goes further, and he's all depressed. And then he goes and he gets in the car and he goes out to a motel and he hires a hooker <laughs> to to sit there on the bed while he explains all this that stuff. He, he like recreates this crazy wall. He's like asking this hooker to, you know, follow along and see if she can figure out what oh, it was. Hi. And she gets up and, and takes his money and, and leaves. And then he's like sitting by the docks or something and, and it's raining and like mid in at four in the morning and he's sitting there and he remembers and, and he, like this light comes over his face and he goes to a payphone and it's raining, it's pouring and and he calls his boss and his boss is sitting by the fire with 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 a brandy in his hand and is just relaxing as a as you imagine a rich person would and kevin james character is like hey i remember today when i couldn't remember what i was gonna say let me tell you it, it was blah, blah 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 and while he's saying it there's like thunder and stuff so as a viewer you can't really hear what it, what the hell it was but anyway he's so pleased with himself and his boss says yeah okay okay tom i'm bringing it up on monday like i said you know, just total, it wasn't important at all, but this whole drama of, of him. And then he's just excited that he figured out what that was in his brain that he was trying to remember. So uh-huh. anyway, that's, I'll put that in the show notes too, but that, that's very much like whenever we get together to talk, like we have ideas of stuff to talk about going in and then they're gone. So how about Joaquin Phoenix and his year and a couple of months where he said that he had given up acting. And he grew I remember out that. his beard and his hair. And he went on an interview. the talk shows where he, he was just... did an interview. Yeah. David Letterman is the famous one. Because right. Letterman can barely believe it. <laughs> he says to Phoenix, who's sitting there, dull-eyed, head-bobbing, tie-askew, unruly hair, sunglasses. And Letterman says, oh, you're, you've, you've retired? And... He, he doesn't answer right away. And then he says, he says, I, I don't know. And Letterman says, it must be something you've spent some time thinking about. <laughs> In the funniest, driest. Yeah. Where, and he just mumbled. He just did an interview on 60 Minutes this past Sunday. Uh-huh. The same interview where they interviewed Bob Woodward. Uh-huh. And you heard directly from Woodward, which you already had known from the tapes released prior to the story. There wasn't any actually anything particularly new in the 60 minutes revelation wise because the, the stuff pre-interview was all of it right the big the biggest not all of it so to speak but the, the most important things but on that same 60 minutes he's interviewed he hates to be interviewed and he has a great time with the 60 minutes interview who is the the cnn what's his name anderson what the fuck is his name anderson cooper yes and they're having a great time talking to each other on camera. Right. And they're laughing with each other. He's such a good interviewer because he just, it's two guys talking is what it boils down to. But you'll appreciate this. You'll appreciate this as much as I did, I think, because you don't see this. You don't see this in-depth feeling for the man behind all this because the Joker is in such a dark, awful place, so depraved and so demonic and so twisted and so painful and extraordinary. That must be that, unhealthy to come out of filming for six months or whatever. I think you have to go to therapy after having done that. Yeah. 
Uh, to go back quickly, uh, you'll like this. You'll like this interview on that in that regard, because you'll never have seen an interview where he talked the way that he described in detail how he feels about acting and the act of acting. And it's been a sore spot with other interviewees because they want to pigeonhole him somehow as a a process actor or this kind of, and he just, it it pisses them off. And he's been, he feels rudely treated in interviews and, and been stormy. But knowing that is particularly important or having seen those unruly interviews are particularly important to really appreciate the Sanderson Cooper interview. Yeah, uh, because so those, it's just so much, not that. Right. When he was doing that big beard on Letterman thing, which currently is ironic given Letterman's he was, current, became a current official here. No, Letterman quit and immediately grew out a huge bushy beard. But like I remember seeing that and thinking, okay, this is one of these Andy Kaufman, Sasha Baron Cohen kind of people that gives interviews as a character and is doing a bit the whole time. Where you like out of such insecurity that you that he never wants to actually be himself in an interview, because I remember I specifically remember that full bearded Letterman interview, and just so what a why, what an uninterviewable <laughs> dick he was being for that. <laughs> so Jonathan Winters is someone who has never been interviewed out of character, and his characters are completely non-stopping. I got to say that in all my life of watching him and laughing at him, ever since laying on our stomachs with pillows, watching black and white TV, and how funny he was then. Jonathan Winters. He's dead now, but it was a couple years ago. And it was like the green room where comedians are sitting around in a circle, telling stories and talking, and there's a live audience. And there sits Jonathan Winters in his freaking 80s with a cane, and dressed in khakis and, and an old man's uh, Madras uh, short-sleeved shirt. And he was just one thing after another, just like he always was, <laughs> saying things that were <laughs> inappropriate. And you got to see this. you got to find this if you're huh. a fan. I suspect you would be. He's Robin Williams' inspiration. They had a, a very deep, affectionate relationship. Robin Williams I think, may have been with him when he died which had to be rough. No. But there's some great interviews with Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters on the same show. And <laughs> you can see Robin Williams is knows, that, as I do, that Jonathan Winters is so hilarious that he just cannot stop laughing outrageously at what Jonathan Winters is doing. And it's very you know, touching stuff. This Winters guy is a little bit before my time. Like, I'm looking at his filmography, and he was basically a voice actor for much of his late career he did some flintstones work and some smurfs he was papa smurf he was grandpa smurf in in 86 and then papa smurf in 2011 and 2013 which was released after his death yeah this is i i don't know this person very well so there's a clip you can find of him on on johnny carson where johnny carson understood him to be hilarious and so when he's being interviewed, he does a bit. He does the stand-up bit, which, of course, is fucking hilarious and very strange, and comes and sits down and, like, in, in his own way, just as possessive of the moment as a similar clip of Rodney Dangerfield on Carson, where Carson cannot keep up with 
him throwing out one-liners right. for minutes and minutes and straightening his tie. And in this bit, though, Jonathan Winters just saying weird shit and picking stuff off the desk and right and seems very fun with it and Robin Williamsy just before there was Robin Williams right but Robin Williams took cocaine and speeded up the pace a little bit <laughs> yeah so <laughs> the, like, the if top you, if, <laughs> if if you want to understand Robin Williams take a tape recording of Jonathan Winters and play it on 78 right yeah so Robin the, Williams. the top the top search for Jonathan Jonathan Winters Johnny Carson is the Robin Williams on Carson with Jonathan Winters in 1991 which I imagine is the one you're talking about it's 33 yeah, there's two of them the one the first one is probably black and white, late 60s. When with Williams. Johnny Carson. Johnny. No, I was, I was talking about this one that you're probably yes, referring to together with Yes, Robin. I know. Okay. I know. And I'm also talking about the first one, which Johnny Carson yes. is interviewing Jonathan Winters long before. Robin Williams was probably in high school. Yep, yep, yep. I, I, I see that one too. It, I, I do recall black and white. But I'm yeah, yeah, no, I, I see the, I, I, I see it. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes too for anyone that wants to stop listening to this lovely content and go listen to someone that's actually funny you could go there you don't oversell it <laughs> you had a th- what was your thing about we're not that? don't act like we're supposed to be funny it's just puts like your pressure house? on everybody what oh the foundation no you did the foundation part already hmm. what earlier yeah it's just prompted the kevin james story because right. it was a it, you couldn't remember what we said and and there we yes. are again Anyway, what are you doing? So the oh, it's weird, man. Don't look up at the ceiling like that, man. I know, man. So my follow up on my parenting strategy: my kids are still not going to school. My the principal had a meeting with all of us on over over Zoom or whatever, and. Told it, introduced us to the teachers. Yes, okay. we went into detail on that, okay. and it ended cut the, cut it up. with yeah. you saying what percentage of parents, and right. the answer was very few. Exactly. So now... So the other day, I was out for a walk with my wife because we've sent our children to their grandparents' house here to spend time there and also to not be in our hair and also to have a plausible excuse about why they're not going to school. Anyway, we went, my wife and I, that's a bit more subversive than I expected. It wasn't, that wasn't the plan. You were pretty straight on. You weren't, you weren't like looking for excuses the last time we spoke, but it doesn't hurt. My wife and I went for a walk and it was a long walk. We got to a couple of little villages away from where we live. And that thing that we do now where when you're walking along a path in the forest and there's no one around and then you see someone walking towards you, you have to put on your mask so that you can walk by the person. Sure. And anyway, so we saw some people coming and we put on our mask and it turned out it was this couple. The woman is supposed to be my son's teacher this year is my son's. Yeah. So is his second grade teacher like that. He is assigned to her oh, class. because he's not going. Here. Right. Yeah. Because he's not going. Yeah. And her husband is another teacher at the school who taught my daughter for two years. And anyway, we said hi, and we immediately espoused our desire to be able to send our kids to school, but the concern that we have that within a couple weeks of school starting, shit is going to get terrible, and this is why, and I hope that, we hope as soon as possible we can feel safe sending our kids to school. And this couple don't have any kids, uh, but my son's teacher said, look, if I had kids... I don't think I would send them to school either right now. Wow. 
And, Whoa. But, and this is a thing Talk that you can, about confirmation. This is a thing that you Fabulous. can. This is a thing that that you can say when you're on the on a path in the woods. Uh-huh. That uh, publicly, she would never ever admit that. Wasn't but, that a gift? But here I am broadcasting it to the world, and yeah, to the world. I don't think we're quite at that. <laughs> to the listener and his friend, but Look, the it's you, me, and your father, and you know it. There's a, it. there's at least three other listeners, but so, <laughs> anyway, this was very confirming yeah. to us of okay, like we were concerned that the school was going to hate us for not giving them a vote of confidence in these times of, and we totally think that the school is doing everything totally that they could possibly do to prevent the spread of, of COVID. But we're talking about children and the children go out for recess and they, they hug and fight and spit and they're basically snogging. And it, and It it requires that we trust every other family that sends their yeah. kid to school and well, you'll that. be born out at the end of the day, but they know it, right? Either you're, this is, you, a, th- you will be born out. You, either, what you're saying to them is I won't be part of your experiment, right? Count me out. So I'm either, the either the shit hits the fan and people die or it doesn't. And I was wrong. And either way, I'm happy that with my decision. So I'd rather be right. wrong and, Everyone lives happily ever after, and then, and to be right and have saved my family, but to have this gut reaction that I am that I know what's going to happen and ignore it, I just can't do. Like I've thought this, through, I've thought through that, and it this brings is, me to tears. This is heroic. Yeah. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether the kids get sick or they don't, and some will stay strong, I won't send them to school. I won't follow your rules. They're staying at home. They're staying at home. Yes. I thought you were going to rhyme with song or fool in there, but it was good. What? It's like, we can go on. We can go on. So you should pick up. You should pick up. I, that's the first verse. And then Hugo. Hey, did you listen to that singer? I sent you from Iowa. Your homework. Oh shit! From two episodes ago or something. Do it now. Do it no, now. You, you can I'm edit busy. it out. Open it up. I want to hear your reaction to it. I thought we tried to do this last time and it took you too long. Yeah. Well, I guess Iowa. maybe your skill set isn't quite sharp enough. Was it Iowa? Iowa. Yeah. Singer. Politics. Governor. But it might oh, be easier. God, to find there's out. a Russian email. There's a Russian singer named Iowa. Oh, this is messed with me. In Spain, there's a singer named Alaska. And anytime you... When I was in Alaska, I heard a singer named España. She was great. And anytime a Spaniard hears someone talking about Alaska, they're like, oh, like the singer. No. (laughs) And like they have the the dessert, the baked Alaska. That's something. I've had that 35 bucks 20 years ago. It's amazing. It's ice cream baked into a freaking into a freaking pie, man. Oh, so one one of the my previous thoughts that got lost was the palindrome that I sent you, Dennis. Send. Did you know about this when you were in Catholic school? Did kids did kids tease you about this? Yeah, you, no, you've no, known about they this. Didn't tease me about it. The kids I went to school with were clever enough to spell backwards for yeah. the most part. There were but, only sixteen children in my. But you figured it class. out at some point. Oh yeah, early on. 
Like yeah. I, I figured out that my last that my name backwards doesn't mean anything. So I wrote you. I know That's you not did. true. What is it? No, yeah, sure. Kyer? Because I wrote you. It said, in fact, I have sinned. Yes. Because you wrote me and you said it was like, no, it's not true. Dennis didn't sin. Isn't that what you wrote on me? <laughs> it was a tweet. I don't know. Oh, so Dennis, this week I had my first ever my first ever viral tweet. I say the cleverest shit on Twitter and I get a couple likes. And then I posted this ridiculous, not really all that funny uh, comment on a video that some person sent me. The video is really cool. I will give it that. The video is of this this person on a parachute uh, spiraling down towards a lake. And then at the very last minute, they pull out of the spiral and they fly around like this. And the parachute actually touches the water. And you think this person is is, is going to crash for sure. And then he at the very last moment, he pulls out of it and just lands perfectly. And it's just this amazing, this is an amazing video. And I made some stupid comment about uh, programmers. And I tweeted this. And the damn thing got, within 24 hours, it got retweeted like 8,000 times, which is <laughs> ridiculous. But what was it exactly? You told, you did the setup, so what did you tweet? So my comment was, okay, so in in the develop, in the in the software developer world, we have this sort of, like, the dichotomy that companies put on job titles is you can be a senior developer or a junior developer. And... What that means exactly is, I guess, how many years of experience, but where you draw that line, who really knows? And those of us that have many years of experience like to point out that we like to point out for the benefit of any junior developer listening that we don't really have any, like we know a little bit, but we, we also make mistakes and it's we don't really know what we're doing either. And so my tweet was something along the lines of when a senior developer has to come in to fix a bug or something like that. It's not funny at all. It's, it's so stupid. But this idea well, of someone swooping developer. in, like when the junior has fucked right. something up and the senior right. developer has to come in and they come swooping that's in. Funny. It's not it's that's really, funny. though. It's uh, funny. It's rye. It's rye. Well, rye. And you know, it's so rye. Rye, would you say that? What, what do you think we should drink? Let's break it out. Yeah. So I'm actually, I found. Let's break out the rye. Have you had it since we talked about it? No, damn, they don't, they don't sell it here. Some. But what I have found this week is. A bottle of Four Roses. Do you know what that is? Four Roses. A, uh, a rose of a sweeter drink that you take shots of. Okay. See? I didn't Strawberry. Know no. This is the most common that I've seen in Europe, at least in Spain, of bourbon. Straight up? Oh, that's what you're sipping on. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Made where? Where is bourbon made? In Kentucky. Like, you can't call it bourbon if it's not made in Bourbon County. Is that so? It's true. Just and like it's Scotland and Scotch. Well, it's so like champagne. What, I got to save my flask. I'm out of my beer. But what's extra funny about bourbon in Spain is that bourbon is the name of the royal family in Spain. They're the bourbons. Oh, man. Oh. oh, that's nice. Oh, boy. Well, oh, boy. I will join you. I got this flask. Where was I? Hold on. I, so when, a, half. I, a popular thing, a thing that happens on Twitter is when, when someone has a tweet that gets a lot of attention. They will respond to their own tweet, which is often shown at the top for anyone that is seeing it for the first time, with a, hey, check out my SoundCloud. 
SoundCloud is a service that hosts sound files, music or something. And the joke is that a lot of people, a lot of people like diddle around with music and, and have their own sort of couple of songs that they've published, but no one, but they don't get any listeners or anything. And so whenever a tweet gets really popular, people say, oh, and check out my SoundCloud because as if they want to get people to listen to it. So anyway, when my tweet went viral, I said, check out my SoundCloud and I linked to our podcast here. Welcome all of our new listeners. So you got, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder what the fuck is this? We're what not talking. Is, we're not talking about JavaScript. What exactly? What, is, what exactly is this content? Who knows? What? It's of interest who, to who, maybe seven or eight to people. nobody. Who cares? It's it's you and me. That's all it is to me. We're having a call, <coughs> and we try not to do rude sounds, Belching. but belching. Hey, that's not rude. In some cultures, that means thank you. The food was great. <laughs> Check me out on this. It does. Uh-huh. Check me out on this. Google it now. Are belches a sign of appreciation? And the answer is yes. I'll belches. bet you fucking hundred bucks. Hundred dollars. You bet hundred dollars? In certain parts of India, China, and Bahrain, hyphen, a small country located in the Middle East, just south of Kuwait. Sorry about that delay. Burping after meal can be a sign of appreciation and satiety. Satiety. Are you satisfied with with you're satiated with food. Satiated. 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 Bonafide. Well, I, I, I got to be bonafide. If she ain't, say she ain't it. No. Oh, I know what it was I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah, we found it. Lions. We found it. The Detroit Lions. The Go Detroit Lions. Lions. All right. <laughs> Last year, they kept losing... In the fourth quarter, need to write notes. and did it more than anybody. And their first game was oh, what was it? Twenty-three to six. Right. And when did they lose? Oh, the fourth quarter. How did they do it? They threw an interception, which turned into a touchdown. Huh. And then they only had minutes to go, and they couldn't quite get it fucking done. Same old shit, same old lines, SOS, SOL, SOS, SOL, SOS, SOL. Fucking lines go to hell. Yeah. My my Michigan friends. The shitty feel, the lions fucked again. Every time I watch the lions, I get fucked again. Why do I get fucked again? Oh, is it nineteen fifty-three again? Every time I love the lions, I get stabbed in my ass. Every time I watch the lions, I get stuck in my ass. Yeah. The lions suck. The lions suck. I'm near Detroit, and I am fucked. Oh, the lions. They fucking made me weep tonight. God damn fucking fourth quarter. What? Good night, my friends. See y'all next week. Okay, that does it for episode number 76. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 076. You can find links to the Kevin James YouTube channel and my viral tweet and all the things that we have discussed. And if you would like to help us, you could go to patreon.com slash happy hour. That would be very much appreciated. And we will 
see you next week. Mm-hmm.